0: On third and goal, Garoppolo with time. Looking, firing. It is caught by Kendrick Bourne for the touchdown. What a start by Jimmy Garoppolo. Four of five on the drive of the 49ers strike back. What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Red and Gold Standard podcast. My name is Zach Hernandez. You can follow me on Twitter at Zach Hernan. Uh, you can follow the podcast at RGS Pod. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Anthony Perry. Anthony, how you doing tonight?
1: What's going on, Zach? What's going on, Faithful? It is your boy, Perry, back with another edition of the Red and Gold Standard Podcast. As always, guys, follow me on Twitter, Perry underscore 49ers. That's P-E-R-R-Y underscore 49-E-R-S. And let's get it going, man. I'm really excited to talk about this offseason. We got the draft coming up. A couple roster moves were made, but overall it's small leading up to something big, so I can't wait to get it going.
0: Yeah, dude, definitely. I mean, there's just been such craziness going on in like the real world right now that football is like the only escape that we kind of have. And, you know, I was telling uh, my, my fiance, I'm like, I'm so glad that all of this kind of didn't prevent as, as, you know badly at turned out for the 49ers the Super Bowl from happening because that would have sucked then it would have just been the ultimate case of what if but uh we are in the off season and we have a lot to talk about now uh and let's go ahead and start this off with um Kendrick Bourne I saw he signed his one-year tender the other day um how much do you think Bourne is involved in the offense next year
1: I think he's going to be a huge part of the offense, and I mean, coming off of this past season, which was arguably career season for him, I mean, five touchdowns, he only had 30 catches, but the fact that five of those 30 were touchdowns really show you how important he is to the offense as a whole. Whether he is the go-to red zone guy, whether he is the go-to third down guy, he has a point in this offense, and it may not be big, but it's more important enough that he should stay on the team. And Kendrick Bourne looks like he's been working his ass off all offseason. All I've seen on social media is just videos of him working out, him catching footballs, him running routes, you name it. So he looks like he's prepared. He signed his one-year tender. He wants to be with the team. He wants to perform. And he's he's just ready to go. And I think Shanahan is ready to get him going too. And overall, it's really, really exciting. And it's really important to see how good he can be for this team.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean... The, the red zone threat alone is kind of a huge, huge factor for this team because the 49ers for the last couple of years have desperately needed a guy to uh, step up, be a big red zone target, and he's been just that. I mean, I was watching the 49ers-Saints game the other day just to kind of help pass time, but, man, that, that, that first drive, he had that touchdown, or one of the first drives, I forget which one um, – where he kind of just—it was a tight window, man—and and Garoppolo got it in there, and Bourne just hopped up and went and got the ball. It just—he's a great threat to have on your side, and I think that that really would help the 49ers moving forward. Um, I think the the thing that kind of excites me the most about Kendrick Bourne, uh, and and you kind of alluded to it there, is that he's constantly working on his craft. He's constantly getting better. Um, you've seen improvement already in his in his career with the 49ers, and I think that you know now is kind of do or die time for these young wide receivers. The 49ers have been uh, stockpiling, so to speak, the last couple of years. So I think it's really intriguing to see what's going to happen going into this year and how much of a role he actually plays. But I think he's definitely going to have a, a larger role than he already had. Uh, last season, which was a relatively large role. I mean, he was a significant uh, role player for this offense. So that's just something to keep an eye on and something to be excited about. Um, Speaking of stockpiling wide receivers, uh, last year's rookie Jalen Hurd out of Baylor showed tons of promise in the 49ers' first preseason game against the Cowboys. Um, I forget, I think he had like two or three touchdowns. And the guy was just, you know, talk about a big red zone target. That guy was going up on fade routes, going up and getting the ball. And then unfortunately, as we all know, I'm sure he suffered that fracture in his back and he hasn't really been able to play since. Um, Now, I'm, I'm including him with all the other guys on IR. And I guess you could probably, you know, take a wild guess where I'm going with this answer. But who do you think is going to have the biggest impact of all the players coming off of IR?
1: All the players coming off of IR. It's kind of tough considering how many players were put on IR to begin with at the season, midway through the season, and even near the end of the season. But I think I'm going to keep it on the midway, and I'm going to roll with Ronald Blair, man. He tore his ACL, making one hell of a tackle on Russell Wilson when the game really mattered the most, and it just sucked. I think that he's a really underrated player on the team as a whole, and the fact that his loss, it didn't necessarily hurt the team, I think. But I do think his impact was known when he came off the field. He was a key rotational part of that defensive line. And we kind of saw the drop-off when he got hurt and then D Ford was missing time and then everyone else just had to play a lot more. And then they signed DeMante Moore and he got signed or he got hurt, excuse me. So there's a lot of things going on with that defensive line, but the moment Ronald Blair got hurt, I really felt like the defensive line just went downwards and I mean it wasn't terrible but it wasn't at the level it was at went before he got hurt you know and obviously after he got hurt he finished the season with a fumble recovery he had three sacks and 21 total tackles so he he was on it he was on his shit excuse my language but he his impact was known I think getting him back will be key I don't think him tearing his ACL will necessarily impact his play as a whole he looks like he's going to come back healthy also. He looks like he's ready to be a big component to this defensive line once again. And I I just can't wait to watch him play because I can't stress enough how important he was to this team before he got hurt. That entire rotation was huge. If they didn't have Ronald Blair, I honestly think the defensive line wouldn't have been as effective as it was. And that might be saying a lot, but I'm really going to stick to that. So having Ronald Blair coming back off an ACL, being a part of a defensive line that in its second year together, even after losing Buckner, I think is going to be huge. So you got to give it props to Ronald Blair. I think DJ Jones went on IR also. He was another big loss, but I got to give the edge, give the edge to Ronald Blair, man. He was kind of like a poor man's version of Ronald or a poor man's version of Eric Armstead who could really just do it all.
0: You know, it's funny. Um, and, and Ronald Blair's great answer. I remember that Uh, I don't remember if it was a a strip sack or just a sack, but there was one where he got on Russell Wilson. I think you kind of mentioned it there. And that was just kind of just showcased his athleticism so much. And even the the commentators were just blown away that he was able to make that play uh, out in the open field. Because if, you know, he doesn't make that play, Russell Wilson's gone for another 10 yards, 15 yards maybe. Um, And you mentioned DJ Jones. I know I talked about, Jalen Hurd when I asked you the question. But DJ Jones, man, he he's a big one as well. He has some big shoes to fill. And he was playing at an extremely high level before he got injured and placed on injured reserve. So that's uh, one to keep an eye on. I think it's it's got to be a tie for me, and I know this is kind of cheating. But Jalen Hurd, I, I'm going to go with him just because of how much potential he showed. However, he was... He hasn't taken an actual season NFL snap yet, so simply due to that, I'm going to give half of the other vote in my mind to Trent Taylor. Uh, All throughout training camp, we were hearing how Trent Taylor was the best wide receiver the 49ers had. When he was healthy, we had seen kind of the rapport he was able to build with Jimmy Garoppolo uh, the year prior, and he is a chains mover. The guy's a possession wide receiver. He's... He's everything this offense kind of needs. You know, this offense isn't built on stretching the field. It's built on, you know, the underneath passes and letting the wide receivers kind of do work and move the ball from there. So uh, that's going to be my pick. Um, Jalen Hurd and Trent Taylor, I think both of them would add just another tremendous level to this offense and would allow it to kind of progress even that much further which I honestly think is exactly what this team needs if they want to have any chance at being back uh, in the big game next year. Um, Now, the 49ers, they have somewhat, I don't want to say a project because that's viewed negatively, but they do have a young quarterback, young in the sense of starting experience-wise, on their hands, and he's still kind of growing into who he is. What can the 49ers do, Anthony, to kind of ensure that this season Jimmy Garoppolo will be a top-tier quarterback in the NFL?
1: To ensure that Jimmy Garoppolo remains a top quarterback in the league and really just reaches that upper echelon of quarterback play, if you will, I think it comes down to two things, and I'm going to pick one, obviously, but those two things are better pass protection and obviously better wide receiver play. And I'm going to roll with wide receiver play, and I think it's a really... It's, it's honestly been a really controversial topic to talk about just because of how effective Garoppolo has been with, let's face it, pretty average, slightly above average wide receivers and guys like Debo Samuel and Kendrick Bourne. And even when Emmanuel Sanders came in, even though Sanders honestly only had that one big game against the Saints. But overall, I think the wide receiver play is the biggest factor, even over pass protection. And look, I know Jimmy Garoppolo has a bevy of, Uh, running backs that could catch passes out of the backfield like Mostert like Coleman like uh, Matt Breida, if he does come back but he needs to have guys he can really go to down the field or really in the middle of the field and Debo Samuel was effective at that Kendrick Bourne although he only caught 30 passes was somewhat effective but honestly that was it even with Emmanuel Sanders it didn't feel like Garoppolo could have reached his true potential In terms of quarterback play. So I think having another top receiver alongside Debo, like like a Judy or like a Henry Ruggs or CeeDee Lamb or Chennault, anyone, this draft is loaded, will really help him take his quarterback play to the next level. Not only does it give him another weapon he can be effective with for this offense, but it also gives Kyle Shanahan a lot more confidence to call say, more passing plays in Garoppolo's favor, if you will, that can get himself the chance to really elevate his play, elevate his team's play. Because let's face it, we've seen Garoppolo do it. We see that he also gets a lot of hate because of what happened in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, and obviously it's still tough to talk about. And people want to say that he failed to bring his team up when they needed him the most, well, he was able to do it for three and a half quarters. He just couldn't get it done in the fourth. But the point being is that he can be effective when the situation calls for it. He's proven that he can lead his team to victory. He's proven that can, that he can hold leads and keep his team in the game whenever his name is called upon. And, and he has all the tangibles and he has the ability to get the job done. It's just a matter of consistency. And no one talked about that consistency up until the Super Bowl because – Quite frankly, Jimmy Garoppolo had been getting the job done the entire season, and I get that he wasn't really passing when the playoffs came around, but so be it. He made throws when he had to, even if he threw an interception against the Vikings, he still got the job done, and he still led his team to victory. Now let's go get him wide receivers and obviously pass protection, but I want this team to get him a confident, I'm not going to say number one wide receiver, because Shanahan, although he had Julio doesn't necessarily require a number one wide receiver and that means in terms of a guy who can like take the game in his own hands like a Julio or when he had Andre Johnson in Houston and so on and so forth but I think he wants another wide receiver that he could pair alongside Debo Samuel to give Garoppolo that much more confidence to move the ball and move the offense And look, Shanahan knows what he's working with. I think he trusts his own play calling ability to get the job done with the wide receivers that he has. But there's no way at times during the game where his own play calls don't come with skepticism from himself, I mean, just because of the guys who he has where he can say, oh, you know, we know he we think he trusts his wide receivers, but does he himself really trust those guys? So I think going out and getting a wide receiver for Garoppolo and for his offense will be the biggest, I would say, thing. That Garoppolo needs to become, quote unquote, a true franchise quarterback who can become that top tier, top seven guy, if you will, to get the job done. And I get it. All great quarterbacks shouldn't necessarily need, like, really good wide receivers to reach that top tier of quarterback play. But we all watched what Jimmy Garoppolo was working with this season. He had a rookie Debo Samuel, he had a Kendrick Bourne who was used, honestly, situationally, and he had a bunch of wide receivers that didn't really get the job done. So give him a wide receiver. Give Shanahan a wide receiver. Let's move the ball. Let's make the offense, passing in particular, damn near top three, if you will. And just go at it, man. I think they need a wide receiver. I really do.
0: Okay. I like that. Um, I don't think too many people are going to disagree with you, especially with how all of these kind of mock drafts are going recently. Um, you alluded to pass protection, and I think that's, that's key because um, Looking back at the, especially the first Seattle game this season, man, he just got beaten up. Uh, Jadavian Clowney was all over the field. I mean, he was in the backfield constantly. He was taking these uh, offensive linemen's lunch. That was the game, if you remember that, Joe Staley and Mike McGlinchey had just came back from injury, and they were just embarrassed pretty much. So pass protection's definitely up there. Kyle um, was kind of making do with linemen, you know, from either undrafted free agents, uh, late round picks, guys that they signed from the Alliance or whatever other football league that was. (laughs) Um, So he was making do with these guys. And granted, they played well for what was expected from them. However, for Jimmy Garoppolo to be able to take the next step, he can't keep doing this all in spite of his teammates. Um he has to be doing it, you know, because of the teammates are allowing him to do it and get better. but honestly, I think i'm gonna i'm gonna go with something kind of a little more unconventional here and I'm gonna go with take the training wheels off. um I think Kyle Shanahan kind of holds him back a little bit. granted, we know not nearly as much as he knows, obviously, but he you know he's probably thinking of it in the sense of. Uh, he's trying to mask whatever deficiencies Garoppolo has or whatever weaknesses he doesn't feel comfortable. Uh, he doesn't want it to showcase, obviously. But I honestly think that if he's not asked to do certain things, he's obviously never going to get better at it. I mean, you need to practice in order to, to to perfect something. And if he's never able to be put in the big moments, to be able to make the big throws, to be able to you know, be asked a lot of him repeatedly, uh, it's not gonna it's not gonna happen. So I think that you know, you saw it in the Minnesota game, you saw it in the Green Bay game in the playoffs. Um, it, it was just constantly babysitting him. And, you know, some some doubters might say, you know, like that's because he doesn't believe in him, that's because he knows that Jimmy Garoppolo can't th- get the job done. I honestly don't think that's the case. Um, I think that he feels like he's too early on in his career and not maybe um evolved enough as a passer to to do the job fully and he's trying to help him out as much as he can but at some point that has to stop and at some point that's going to go from helping him out to holding him back and I think this season we may reach that point so that's what I'm going to go with I think that the training wheels need to come off of this offense and uh Kyle Shanahan needs to give Jimmy Garoppolo 100% of his trust hundred percent of his confidence and allow him to go out there and just, you know, really become a field general or else there's, you know, there's no doubt that he's going to regress or, you know, definitely not progress if he's constantly being kind of sidelined and, and held back by all of these restraints that may or may not be, you know, implemented for his best interest, but regardless, they may still hold him back. Um, Now, speaking of next season, we all know the 49ers came six minutes short of a ring this year, Uh, but according to Sportsline, things may still be looking up because the 49ers currently have the best chances to win the Super Bowl next year at 25.3%. Funny enough, Kansas City is number two with 21.9%. Do you agree with that, or do you think that they're kind of being overrated a bit?
1: I think the Niners honestly are such a tough team to get a gauge on because you look at a lot of what social media is talking about regarding the team they have a lot of question marks can Jimmy Garoppolo continue a really impressive season can the Niners address wide receiver they just lost to Forrest Buckner how are they going to fix a defensive line their cornerback play was spotty how are they going to fix cornerback play I think there's a lot of questions regarding the team as a whole so I do think a 25% chance to win the Super Bowl is pretty high, but I would put them in the 20s and I wouldn't necessarily put them higher than Kansas City, honestly, because let's face it, Patrick Mahomes is one of those type of guys that you can give him any team you want. You can give him the Browns or the Jags or the Giants or whoever, and he's going to win them 10 games if he's healthy, obviously. And I'm not... And I'm going to I'm gonna stick with that firmly, too. I don't think that was just a product of that offense or Andy Reid. But I do think if you gave Patrick Mahomes any head coach, no matter who it is, I think he'll still be a very successful quarterback. So I got to give the props to Kansas City. I think Kansas City, in, in my opinion, I think would have slightly better odds than the Niners just in terms of Mahomes and the head coach overall. But not by much. Not by much. So I do think it's a little overrated. I do think... They're also slighted just a bit because of all the questions. And and look, all those questions I brought up like wide receiver and continuity and stuff is from I'm trying to talk about that from an outside point of view, where as if I'm not a Niners fan and I'm just looking at the team, I'm just looking at what I see on social media. But obviously as big Niners fans, as people who understand the team a lot more, I don't think those questions are as serious as some people make them. And yeah, I I do think the Niners need another solid wide receiver, but I think even if they don't find it or they don't get the guy they want, I think they'll still be able to get the job done. If they fix pass protection, if they don't fix pass protection, I still think Shanahan and Garoppolo will find a way to adjust and get the job done. So even with all those question marks, I do think the Niners are a 10 to 12 win team. I do think that they're a playoff team. And I do think they they have very solid odds of making and winning the Super Bowl again. So it's not 25% for me, but I would definitely say in the 20 to 21 range.
0: Okay, I like that. And, you know, that's some solid logic. Um, I think that kind of what I'd imagine this, these percentages are banking on is how much of the team is returning. Um, usually when you see a team, both teams that make the Super Bowl the next year, they are almost a shell of their former selves. And, and it's kind of crazy. Both teams, actually, uh, the Chiefs and the 49ers, have been able to retain a large percentage, the majority by far, of their rosters that just made the Super Bowl. So they're both going to be in very, very good positions next year to make a run. Granted, nothing goes dramatically wrong or different than how, how it is, which is the NFL, so it probably will. But, you know, like you said, the loss of DeForest Buckner is big. Um, however, they also gained the 13th pick. So it's like there, there are positives and negatives to it. And if they play their cards right, they could end up better um, in in the short term and in the long term because, you know, financially speaking, it sets them up to have a to add a blue chip player under a controlled rookie salary. And there's no way that they were going to be able to afford uh, Buckner's contract coming up with having to extend Kittle and, you know, just all of this. They were already tight on cap space as it was. So I just think that it was the good mood. To, to make especially if you can get the thirteenth overall pick out of it. it, it was great. But um and then also you know you spoke on you know Sanders leaving as well. But I think that they that's somebody that they could replace. You know in the draft, um they did sign Travis Benjamin, who I'm not comparing to Emmanuel Sanders at all. But it is a veteran presence to have in the locker room to kind of help these younger guys grow up. And I think that. 20 what what was it 25.9 is that what I said um 25.3 excuse me I don't think that that's that high of a percentage I'll, however I do agree that the Chiefs should probably be ahead of us uh, ahead of the 49ers in uh likelihood to win the Super Bowl again just strictly due to the fact that they have Patrick Mahomes um he's a superstar whenever you have a superstar quarterback it kind of gives you the edge no matter what so that that's where I would go um Now, we talked about Matt Breida a little bit. However, we haven't touched on Dante Pettis. He's, you know, we've talked about him previously. Um, Unfortunately, he took a massive step back in his progression this year after showing much promise the second half of his rookie year. Um, Anthony, when it comes to draft day or before draft day, up until draft day, who do you think is more likely to be moved out of the two?
1: Man, this is really tough t- Tough to talk about because I love Pettis. I'm a big Pettis fan and supporter since he came to the team day one. But it's tough to talk about as a whole because, one, Shanahan loves his running backs, but the flip side of that is he can honestly almost make any running back work. And the flip side of the wide receivers is that Shanahan loves his wide receivers who are twitchy, who can run routes, and I think Pettis can do that well. But obviously... Whatever happened with Pettis, he fell out of favor and really just dove right into Shanahan's doghouse and just led him downwards. And he finished the season with 11 catches on 100 yards, two touchdowns, obviously not really that impressive at all coming off of his rookie season. So the fanboy in me wants to say, I think Brita will move just because I want Pettis to stay. But I think I'm going to roll with that if I was looking at it from a coach's GM's perspective. And look, I understand that Shanahan can make any running back work, and we've seen that throughout his years as an offensive coordinator. I think it's a little different with wide receivers just because we've seen Pettis flash. We've seen the potential that he has. Maybe he just hit a sophomore slump. Maybe he just took a step back, and I think I'll bank on that, and I think I'll also bank on the idea that the wide receivers are still pretty thin at wide receiver, even if they do draft one in the first round, even if they draft two, even if they draft another one. I don't care. They signed Travis Benjamin. Obviously, they brought back Kendrick Bourne. Emmanuel Sanders walked, but they still have a lot of guys returning off fire of a lot of guys coming off of injury and being signed. So... They need depth, and they think I think they need bodies, and Shanahan really needs to see who he has at his disposal that he can get the job done with. And I don't think we've seen the last of Pettis. I think just because he had a bad season, just because he stepped back, doesn't mean he can't still step forward. And it's going to be a long offseason. It's going to be a long draft process. Even with all this coronavirus stuff, I still think these guys are going to get their work in and get the job done. I think Pettis should be able to come in hungry, be able to play, because he had a lot of hype coming in, he did, he was a second round pick, obviously it seems like he got overdrafted at this point, but when we saw his potential, we were thinking like, wow, this guy was really worth it in the second round at the time, and now a lot of people are thinking, man, I wouldn't even take this guy into seventh round. So the feelings are mixed, the, re- the reviews on him are mixed, if you will, too, but In my opinion, I think he has a lot of potential. I think he should stay with the team, be given another chance. And he doesn't need to be moved on draft day. If they really don't believe him, they can move him later on in the offseason. But if I did have to choose between the two, just because of how Shanahan can make running backs work, I think you can get the most value out of Brita, and I think you'd be able to move him a lot easier than you would Dante
0: Pettis. Okay. I like that. Um, I'm going to disagree with you. I think that just... You're speaking of value from what what you can get, but I think that kind of a price tag, Dante Pettis, you can kind of get more for it. And I think Matt Breida kind of being an undrafted free agent, sure he he came in and did really well with the 49ers. Uh, but like you said, teams are kind of going to discount that and say, well, any running back can kind of look good in that offense. Um, you know, who, who's to say that he's gonna still have that sort of production outside of that offense? Um, Whereas Dante Pettis, he's a younger receiver. He showed some potential. There's still um, a lot of stuff that he can do well. And, And I'm sure, you know, guys at that age, coaches are probably thinking it's something small that they could coach differently and correct, help him see things maybe a different and he will get back to producing at a high level. So I think that Dante Pettis is actually the one that's kind of more likely to be moved and I think mainly due to the fact that it was very obvious from early midseason on that he was in the doghouse. And he didn't really ever get out of Kyle's doghouse all year. I mean, he wasn't even suited up for it during the Super Bowl. So I think that Pettis would probably be my bet as far as um, who would be moved first. But I could definitely see um, the other way around. Now, moving on to... The NFL draft, we are a couple of weeks away, and the NFL just announced that is going to be the first ever virtual online draft. So essentially, like all of our um, fantasy football drafts, and I I tweeted the other day. Let's hope that the Seahawks somehow keep their auto pick stuck on and they don't know how to turn it off, because that would be perfect. Um, But if you could take trades out of out of the option, trades aren't an option. Who if the 49ers could select two players at 13 and 31, their two first round picks, which two players would they have to select in order for you to walk away thinking, man, they knocked those two first picks out of the park? <laughs>
1: it's tough. It's really tough because not only do they have the 31st pick, which is it's a nice little luxury to have, obviously the 31st pick isn't valued too highly mid-round picks I think that 31st becomes a lot more valuable to them than people think and then obviously the big trade with uh trading DeForest Buckner away for the 13th overall pick I think that's just absolutely monumental in terms of keeping this team rebuilt so I've been going back and forth on it and it's hard for me to really just think and figure it out but from my perspective I truly believe that if the Niners want to knock this draft out of the park, you know what, Zach? I think I would have to roll with uh, Henry Ruggs. I think I'm going to start with Henry Ruggs. I think having him in this offense, having a true speed threat, and this is assuming Goodwin gets cut or traded, having a true natural speed threat who can do anything, who can run the full route tree, who can catch it with his hands, catch it with his body, win contested catches, you name it. I think having that type of guy who can go out there and just dominate the game, and again, this is right up there with people who are talking about how the Niners need a true number one wide receiver versus them needing another more so scheme-fit type guy like Debo Samuel, for example, I think Henry Ruggs would be that absolute answer for this team at that position. He'd be fantastic alongside Debo Samuel. He'd be able to give Jimmy Garoppolo a true deep threat. And I understand that Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't necessarily throw the ball deep, but you look at the guys he had at his disposal, like Emmanuel Sanders, who had taken a step back after his Achilles injury, who had lost some speed, Debo Samuel, Kendrick Bourne, not all necessarily deep threat guys. Not like Marquise Goodwin, for example. So I think adding a Henry Ruggs who can really stretch the field and who I think could give Jimmy Garoppolo more confidence to throw the ball deep, I think that's I think that would be the absolute answer for number thirteen. And then number thirty-one, this is the one that I think is honestly, it's underrated, but I think it's a little more controversial than thirteen in my opinion. Just because you look at that position, and obviously we're not talking about tra- uh, trades, excuse me. You got to figure what could they do. They do need the cornerback. I could see them going after someone like Damon Arnett or Jeff Gladney if he's there. I could see them going after another wide receiver, and I know it sounds crazy, but I could see them doing another wide receiver like Justin Jefferson, Jalen Rager, LaVisca Chenault. I could also see them, if he does happen to slide, go after another edge guy to help fill that defensive line that was lost by Buckner and you know just all the other guys I walked to, and A.J. Epenesa. Me, personally, I would love A.J. Epinesa just because having a tough Iowa guy, having another solid edge player who can rotate with D Ford, who can be injury-prone, would be pretty big. But with all that aside, man, you know what? I, if if I want them to knock it out of the park, and this isn't me knocking it out of the park, I want them, I think I would have to go with... Um, Cesar Ruiz, and I didn't say his name, obviously, but he's an interior offensive lineman. Uh, where would he come out of? Let me find it. Out of Michigan. He's an interior offensive lineman out of Michigan who can play both guard positions. He can get the job done. He's pretty big and sturdy, and I think he could fit this team's offensive scheme well in terms of the offensive line. And look, again, they could go in a mad amount of directions with Cesar Ruiz, Lavisca Chanel, A.J. Epinesa. I'm just looking at all these guys now. Ross Blacklock, interior defensive lineman. Kenneth Murray, if he slides, linebacker. Patrick Queen. They have a lot of options at their disposal, Zach. And I, this is what makes 31st even harder than 13. Because the talent at 31, in terms of that position, are pretty damn good compared to 13, too. So... It's tough, man. It's tough. But if I want them to knock it out of the park, I want them to draft a top wide receiver who can really move the offense just like Debo. And I want them to address interior offensive line as well because they just signed Tom Compton. I think he last played with the Jets. Not that good. He's a backup. He's basically like... Poor man's Mike Person. And then obviously they have Daniel Brunskill who can play all the offensive line positions, but do they want him to move to guard? Do they want to try that out? Or do they want to draft another tough blue chip offensive lineman who can get the job done? And if they do decide to keep Brunskill at tackle to be Joe Joe Staley's next replacement, I think they go interior offensive line and I'm going to roll with Cesar Ruiz.
0: Okay, first of all, those would be two perfect draft picks for this team um two positions of need moving forward fill immediate holes at the same time um and i i would be extremely happy with those um however that's that that would be your 1a i'm gonna give you 1b to your 1a and it's funny enough that we both selected the same positions um um, we we didn't discuss these guys beforehand. We we have the questions to review. However, we did not discuss our answers. Um, my f- first pick at 13 overall, you know, and I've been going back and forth on which guy I want, but it's I think I, I'm I'm settling in on C.D. Lamb, and I just think that the guy is a beast. Um, he he's gonna step in right away and wide receiver it it seems like it's kind of hit or miss as far as if guys come in right away and produce i do not have any doubt that he would kind of be one to come in and just hit the ground running i mean he is a strong route runner yards after the catch type of guy um and he's just perfect for this offense and not only that but he's extremely fast and physical um I just think that it would really open up this offense, really allow the 49ers to add an an entirely new element to their offense and allow Jimmy Garoppolo, um, give him, excuse me, give him a nice weapon moving forward. You know, the Cardinals just got um, DeAndre Hopkins and, you know, Seattle has DK Metcalf and, you know, the Rams, the Rams are the Rams. I, I think that kind of speaks for itself. But the 49ers need their Hopkins, they need their Metcalf, they need their number one guy. And just imagine, you know, Lamb on the other side of Debo with Kendrick Bourne in there with a healthy Jalen Hurd, Trent Taylor, possibly even Dante Pettis back into the mix. That is an extremely, extremely viable young group of wide receivers that the 49ers could have, you know, wreaking havoc across the NFL for a few years to come. And, you know, mainly on controlled salaries, too, which would be the best part. Um, And, and, you know, like I said, I've been going on and off about who I want at this pick. Henry Ruggs is also a guy that I've had my eye on, a guy that, you know, it it keeps flip-flopping between the two. Um, I I dropped – I'm going to give a little shout-out here. I was reading uh, our boy Eric Crocker's review on Lamb, and I think it kind of just kind of tipped the scales a little bit in his favor. But, man, it's like – You know, do you want, I don't know, $100 bills or gold, you know, same amount? It's like it's just a different way of getting the same thing. And you can't really go wrong. I just think that right now he fits more into the 49ers offense and what they're trying to do. But, man, like I said, you really, really can't go wrong um, with either of them. It's kind of 1A, 1B. And then for 31, like you said, it's tough taking trades off the table because – I think that the 49ers should trade out of this pick. However, one thing that frustrates me kind of the most is when fans kind of get mad and they're like, well, why'd they stay there? They should have traded out, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it takes two teams to make a trade. You, you understand that. And, you know, if the trade's not there, do you want them to just trade for the sake of trading and, and, and give away a prime pick like 31 for peanuts? I mean, it, it it takes two teams like i said and if it's not there then they have to go with the, either the best player available or the next guy on their board and i just think that offensive line specifically tackle would be kind of the next biggest hole that they need to fill and i just think Austin Jackson out of USC would be a perfect fit for this offense um you know kind of built for that rushing power rushing offense I have a quick little scouting report that I have here from uh, Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, who is phenomenal. If you guys don't follow him, make sure you go follow him and the Draft Network. Everything they're doing is is great, especially right now. It's kind of their their time of the year to shine. Um, but this is from Kyle Krabs real quick. Austin Jackson is a promising tackle prospect who has all of the physical tools to develop into a quality starter, but there's significant improvement needed on his fundamentals before he's ready to fill such a role. Jackson's footwork is... Hand placement, weight distribution, and framing of blocks are all currently inconsistent, and early reps are likely to yield irregular and inconsistent results. Jackson is likely best in heavy rushing offenses, whereas mobility can win spacing at the POA. Now, obviously there's a lot of negative aspects in there. However, he is a rookie. Um, He would be a rookie, excuse me, and I think he would have time to grow Um, in this offense he wouldn't be asked to kind of come in start day one and the world would be expected of him I think that he would be um, kind of eased into things and I really think that long term he would be the perfect perfect fit at this offense or in this offense excuse me so man those are four good players Um, your two my two I think that they would just be phenomenal fits for this this team so like I said they really can't go wrong Um, but If they were to go wrong, on the flip side, (laughs) who are two players or positions, if you don't want to get any specific players, that you absolutely do not want them to select?
1: If I, if there's two positions I didn't want them to address, two. And it's really tough because there's, you know, only so many specific positions that I want them to address. But at least at pick thirteen. Shoot, dude. I, I don't the position wise, I don't want them to address offensive line. And I get it. Our man Stewart from Nothing But Niners really loves the tackles in this draft. Tristan Wirfs, Andrew Thomas, um Kai Becton. Filthy, filthy tackle prospects who I think would be tanks on this team for years to come. But God, I just don't, at the moment, I don't think tackle is a rich enough position for us to address, because we do have Joe Staley, who I think will make it one more season, and I do trust that I think they'll let Daniel Brunskill play tackle when his time comes for it, so I really don't want them to see or to address offensive line, and I know they need it, I know I talked about how they need it, but there's no interior linemen that are worth taking that high at all. Cesar Ruiz is arguably the best lineman in the class, and I think they could do that at the 31st pick if they do choose. So no line for me. And then I think another position I wouldn't want them to address at 13, or even 31 too, honestly. Jeez Louise, Zach. You know, I think I'm going to roll with cornerback, and this is assuming there's no tradeback scenarios. I think they should trust the corners that they have I think Mosley can take a huge step forward I think Sherman's drop-off won't be as big as people say I do believe Witherspoon could have a decent return he's he kind of I don't know he started off the season hot and then he just dropped off entirely so I don't know if he'll necessarily go through that doghouse type thing that Pettis went through I think Spoon went through the doghouse what his first year or second year what was his second year God, Spoon's been on the team forever, honestly, but I know he had he went through that doghouse thing at one point with the team anyways. But in any event, I don't think and I don't want them to address offensive line at least at 13 and cornerback in the first round because I think wide receiver is too important of a position. I think eventually defensive and interior offensive line at 31 is another position they should address. And we're getting down to the nitpicky of the team because like I said, People outside of the Niners fan base and outside of analyzing think that the teams, the team itself has a lot more problems than we know about. And for us as fans, we know about those problems, and I think we're a lot more pickier about it than most other people. So I really want them to use those picks on a solid wide receiver, a solid interior offensive lineman. I just really feel like I don't want them to use it on a cornerback or tackle, at least not in the first round.
0: Okay. I like that. I think it's interesting that you went with cornerback at 31, that you don't want them to select. I think a lot of people actually do want them to select that, and they're kind of hoping that they do. Um, But you made some good points. Um, As far as me, and I'm kind of joking, kind of serious, at 13, don't take a damn quarterback. (laughs) Um, I know we saw Grant Cohn kind of posting out there, Uh, you know some quarterbacks that he thought would be a good fit and that the 49ers aren't really sold on Garoppolo yet and it just kind of made me put my thumb to the bridge of my nose and it's kind of like we're seriously still talking about this huh Um, but you know with that I think it goes without saying don't take a quarterback the 49ers do not need one it would be a totally wasted pick and it just would set this team back if anything Um, and and you know, I'm kind of saying that half-jokingly, but at the same time, if anybody's actually thinking they should do that, it's a horrible pick. Um, and and for 31, ooh, man, this is this is tough. Um, I'm going to go with, and I think it kind of goes without saying, and I don't even know, you know, I've been so out of the loop, to be honest with you, this year with draft coverage. Um, I don't know who is ranked that high. But even, even you know, later on in the... excuse me in the second round or excuse me in the mid rounds you know they don't have too many picks don't take a running back do not take a running back it goes without saying at 31 not to take a damn running back I don't even know the last running back that was taken in the first round off the top of my head but man the way Kyle can just plug guys in literally from off the street I mean you saw him sign Alfred Morris not too long ago and plug the guy in and he was effective so do not do that do not take a quarterback. And you're probably thinking, no, crap, Zach, those are two horrible positions that they wouldn't take anyway. But you, you'd you be surprised what people are, are kind of advocating for on Twitter, man. It, it's a dark world out there, especially with people quarantined and having 24-7 to think about these things. And it just it, you get some crazy theories out there. All right, now we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Um, we're going to move into our standard shout-outs. Anthony, you want to go first or you want me to go first?
1: Yeah, I'll go first. And I only have one just because, you know, there's been a lot more negativity than positivity going on with the sports world right now. But And this isn't regarding the Niners, but I'm going to shout out Tom Brady and his wife. They moved to Tampa Bay, and I don't know how much money they put towards, but I saw this thing that said they donated 750,000 meals to needy families in the Tampa Bay area. That's wild. I I mean, you know, you see – Sports teams do that as a whole. And I mean, like, say the Niners, for example, put that much like effort into helping families as a whole. But for Tom Brady to do it at one time for 700, like 750,000 meals, that's insane. So shout out to Tom Brady and his family. Obviously, he's made millions of dollars, and he has a supermodel wife. And, you know, they're capable of doing that stuff. But it doesn't matter, dude. 750,000 is no joke. People could use it during this time, especially with the coronavirus, especially with people losing jobs and whatnot. So shout out to Tom Brady, man. I think that's possibly one of the coolest things you could do, especially with everything going on right now.
0: Okay. Yeah, I like that. That was that was great to see. And you know just little quick point into that. It's one of my pet peeves when people are like oh, well, you know, he only donated this much. He has this much money. And it's like, dude, just be thankful that he's helping out. He's trying to do something positive in the world. Why do you have to turn it into kind of a nitpicky negative thing? Um, now, my I have two standard shout outs. Um, one is kind of negative, you could say. Um, it, it's unfortunate. And, you know, who knows if it's true? Who knows how things will be come august however adam schefter tweeted out today uh the santa Clara county executive officer dr jeffrey smith uh told that the county told the county super board excuse me told the county's board of supervisors this week that he did not expect there would be any sport games until at least thanksgiving and we'd be lucky to have them by thanksgiving um that would obviously be a tremendous setback for the 40, or for football in general. Um, as of now, we're kind of proceeding under the belief that football will start on time. And I would just be really, really bummed and depressed if that does not happen. Um, but, however, I have one more, and it is a positive. Um, I saw 49er Edits tweet out, Eddie DeBartolo donated $2.65 million for coronavirus treatment at Tampa General. Eddie and his wife, Candy, had contributed $7.65 million in the past five months. So that's just awesome for the 49ers' uh, former owner to go ahead and do. And just, you know, do his part and contribute in these tough times. That's going to go ahead and do it for us tonight, guys. We appreciate you tuning in. Um, Hang in there. If you guys are kind of losing your minds and and going crazy at home, just remember it's it's for the better of everybody. You're looking out for each other. Um, It's, you know... Hopefully you guys are doing okay. Those of you that are still working, like both of us, uh, stay safe out there, wear your mask, wash your hands, you know, do everything you need to do to make sure you take care of you and yours, but at the same time, be safe. Anthony, you got any final words?
1: Nah, man. I think we hit it on the head with this podcast tonight. I think you hit it on the head just now. Great show, guys. Great show, Zach. That was so much fun. I know our episodes have been staggered just because of everything that's going on, but I think it's being filtered and being put out very nicely. So with that being said, guys, follow me on Twitter, Perry underscore Niners. It's P E R R Y underscore four nine E R S. Don't forget to follow the podcast RGS pod.
0: Yes. Yes. Thanks man. Um, And yeah, we do apologize for the episodes not being um, as kind of scheduled as we wanted them to be. Uh, Like I said, Anthony and I are both still working and it's been extremely busy for both of us we're trying to get it down to a set schedule uh we promise we'll do better um and yeah follow the podcast rgs pod on twitter um and also go ahead and and, uh follow our instagram um it's through 49ers hive we don't have an rgs instagram but follow 49ers hive where we kind of release snippets of the podcast stuff like that um our our man steve mullen is go ahead and and running that for us and he does a great job so go ahead and follow that we are trying to reach a thousand followers soon And we're almost there. Once we do, we're going to be doing a little bit of a giveaway, and we'll release the details of that later on. Um, But that's going to do it for us, guys. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Rent and Gold Standard podcast. Uh, Take care of yourselves. Be safe.